Hello, I'm your host Ben and you're listening to Your Career Kit, brought to you by Employment for Students, a podcast where we share the best career tips and advice as well as bringing you industry professionals to share their inspiring stories to help kickstart and further your career. For more information as well as student jobs, head to e4s.co.uk. Today's episode is all about apprenticeships as we celebrate National Apprenticeship Week, a week in the UK dedicated to all the amazing aspects of apprenticeships. I'm joined by a former apprentice who spent three years at the Ministry of Defence as an engineering apprentice. He's here to discuss some of the less frequently mentioned topics surrounding apprenticeships, such as adjusting to the workplace at a young age, taking part in your first application assessment, as well as the fun side of apprenticeships. You may be thinking about doing an apprenticeship, or maybe you're a parent and your daughter or your son is considering doing one, or I'm just making up part of your morning commute. Either way, my guest today gives some highly valuable tips and insights into many areas of an apprenticeship, which still actually apply to many jobs and careers. That's enough for me. Let's introduce our guest today, Ollie Cooper. Hello, Ollie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Ben. Good to see you. Yeah, good, good. Um, so let's dive straight into it. You were an apprentice for three years at Defence Equipment and Support, otherwise known as DENS. Um, do you want to give a quick little introduction of what that was and what you were doing? Yeah, so as the name probably suggests, uh, defence equipment and support, equipment and support in the armed forces. It's uh, the the biggest, but a sub, as you know, sort of a subcategory of the MOD, the Ministry of Defence. Um, obviously, also a subcategory of the government. It is a government department, and essentially, yeah, as the name suggests, equipment and support in the armed forces. You know, they procure, produce, make, buy, sell. Uh, equipment and products so from as small as you know a nut and a bolt to up to a tank um, to the armed forces. <laughs> quite a nice range there yeah massive range big, big range of jobs absolutely yeah but what's quite interesting as well is that we both did this apprenticeship didn't we I mean I, I didn't do the full course but you did the whole you know you've done the whole three years yourself yeah um, but I think one main thing I noticed about that apprenticeship was the range of different ages on that on that um, scheme and that's mm. something that we always bang on about in blogs and stuff. Was that something you realised as well? Because, you know, we were at the time 18, but there's also, you know, 16-year-olds just even school. Yeah. And there's also quite a few grown-ups, weren't there? Grown-ups, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, you had you had guys on that scheme that had, had I mean, not successful, but had, had attempted sort of, uh, you know, music careers or, you know, a guy who'd had a painting and decorating business for five years and, you know, you've got everyone that have just finished GCSEs right the way up to people with kids and um, you know 27 and 30 year olds it was yeah really broad range and I think that was probably just indicative of the sort of um, you know pedigree that that scheme was and the sort of level you're talking you know it was decent pay especially as an apprentice and then the uh, qualifications you were getting were were really impressive and I think that um, the range of ages just suggests how how good of a scheme and how impressive that one was. I guess one of those things as well so you do an engineering weren't you mm-hmm. and it, that's one thing that appeals to you know a broad range of, of people and you know because there's a shortage of engineers in this country isn't there Absolutely. Um, so what sort of drove you um, at, at the time sort of was it something that you thought I want to do this the whole way during school or do you think right during sick form right, engineering that's what I'm going to go into yeah well I um, you know I'd certainly always enjoyed that sort of thing and then uh, you know, GCSE options are, are quite broad, but not very specific, aren't they? So you can't pick, at least in a lot of schools, 
um, like an engineering subject, you know, you might get lucky and be able to do graphic design or product design maybe, but a lot of schools don't offer um, GCCs or BTECs in engineering yet. Um, and then sick form, in our, in our specific sick form, obviously went to the same one. Uh, they didn't offer an engineering subject again there. So I, I tried and didn't do very well in maths and physics. Uh, probably picked the wrong off, but exactly. I think I think that was probably with a view uh, to going to uni originally. And I think if I knew there were such good apprenticeship schemes out there, I'd have done options that I was better at rather than ones that I thought I had to do in order to go into that sort of engineering environment. Um, so it was certainly always something I was interested in. I think uh, my dad was in the army as well, so that was a big influence. You know, growing up talking about armored vehicles and tanks and guns and stuff. You know. It's, a lot of young kids do being really interested in that sort of world um i'm just always liking you know messing about with bikes with your mates and taking things apart and stuff i think it's just just interested me for a while to be fair yeah definitely and you touched on it briefly in terms of um you know at school and colleges they don't really speak about apprenticeship um, apprenticeships much do they a lot of it is just sort of university do you think that's an issue at the moment i think probably i think it was starting to get slightly better when uh, we were in school so I know apprenticeships were, were touched on, as you say, um, but it does certainly feel, you know, not that you're forced down the uni route, but you're certainly encouraged down it. And that apprenticeships are almost like, uh, you know, maybe if you don't do very well in your options, then join the apprenticeship scheme or go to college instead of uni. And I think it you know, should be should be considered on a par rather than below. Because, yeah. You know, like you said, there's a broad range of, of ages that did that course and I think that suggests that it's open to everyone and there were people on that course that did far better than me in my A-levels and could have gone to uni and chose the apprenticeship route instead so it's certainly not you know nothing to be sniffed at and I think um not just you know not even apprentices apprenticeships sorry in uh in engineering like this that you come out with you know level three level four b-techs etc but anything you know apprenticeships in electrician or woodworking which I'm sure we'll touch on that I'm doing now or um, you know plumbing and stuff like these are these trades are, are always going to be needed and as you say a shortage is uh, a shortage of engineers it's, it's always something that's going to be needed and i think you know uni isn't right for everyone so if we can encourage others to look at the spectrum of opportunities available rather than probably what the school want you to do rather than what's best for you i think everyone's better off really yeah i think what's quite interesting as well i was going to touch on it later but you know we kind of I think it's quite important to touch on it at the start of the episode but mm-hmm. you know it's such important to get that balance between experience and qualifications isn't it and you know in, in the current climate we're in at the moment where employers are going to need that perfect mix of both you know mm-hmm. is a degree the correct thing to do depending on what subject you're going for and you know is an apprenticeship the right route to take and I think it's it's quite important to understand that an apprenticeship isn't an alternative it is a mm-hmm. credible option for anyone because you know apprenticeships are growing aren't they Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be, shouldn't be viewed as a backup, should it? I think, um, you know, they're probably always being very polite at work, but a lot of people would um, tell us apprentices that they'd rather have an apprentice than a grad in some cases, Mm -hmm. because you're, you know, yes, you're probably more knowledgeable as a grad, especially if you've um, gone very specific in a a certain route, like you've gone specifically into electrical engineering rather than engineering broadly, for example, but you've also joined say if you know someone's neck and neck with me on this course they've been at uni for three or maybe even four years on how specific it is and then joined the world of work whereas i've been doing four six month placements in that time so i've, I've got li- literal hands-on real world knowledge of working mm-hmm. in the workplace and on site and things like that so 
it's definitely a balancing act and, and you know that's not to discredit university courses because I know a lot of them do a placement year too which is yeah. fantastic I think but um, yeah it certainly needs to be looked at and I think a lot of employers w are starting to and probably do view them almost on equal pegging as well mm -hmm. which I think is really important. I think it's quite interesting as well that a lot of employees these days you know they do the whole range they do apprenticeships and internships and placements so it's kind of highlighting that you know a lot of businesses are looking at them as both you know they want to hire both because I think it's quite I don't know I think during my time at E4S you know I started back in the summer mm -hmm. I've probably said I've learned more from actually working although I'm sort of on a, a part-time basis at E4S I've learned more in that sort of six months than I have probably two years at uni because sometimes yeah. you sort of think how can I actually apply this like sometimes I'm sat in the classroom I'm thinking right I get why I do this but it's so important to actually get that experience in terms of how to do it and when to do it and why to do it and I think you get such a depth from getting that experience I think that's what you get from an apprenticeship absolutely I mean I know one of your one of your previous guests Jamie obviously uh you know the same could be said for his languages courses you know there's, there's yeah. so much obviously you can be taught in a classroom but if you get chucked out of a plane in Spain you, you've got to pick up the language haven't you, you know you're forced Definitely. to let alone if you're teaching yeah so yeah there's, there's a lot to be said for how much you can be taught but being included in that environment and picking up the workplace jargon and you know all the all the things that you come across in the workplace there's a lot to be said for that as well absolutely so in terms of the teaching side of the you know apprenticeship so most apprenticeships i believe it's a minimum of 20 percent of your time you spend you spend um actually learning so whether it be college university or a um you know a training provider what was the framework of your apprenticeship so you had one first year second year and third year so yeah. what was it like in that first few, few few months at college yeah so the the whole of the first year which um you know obviously a whole academic year not necessarily 12 months um that whole first year was spent entirely at college mm -hmm. because for our course they condensed um a two-year BTEC if you were to be doing it part-time um, or on usual sort of college hours they condense that down into a, a one-year sort of intense um, I think we did 14 BTEC units which you normally do over two years and they condense that into one year um, so we did that as well as uh, a course which I think was a BTEC as well called Performing Engineering Operations PEO so that's um, literally using lathes and machines and drills etc um, and, you know, welding and um, alongside all of the other, those 14 BTEC units, that was all the first year. So that was your sort of standard nine till half three, I think it was at college yeah. um, every day, which was down in Bridgewater, which, as you know, was um, a bit of a trek. <laughs> Very long drive. Drove from over here, so, yeah, but, but, you know, I think we'll probably touch on this later, but one of the benefits of going through such a big employer like that, which you probably don't know about until you're there, is they provided free transport from Bristol every day. So, you know, I opted not to just because Bristol's not that close to me either. Yeah, the logistics of it sort of you go north. Yeah. This, come <laughs> down again. Yeah. It yeah. was easy to get out myself. But, um, you know, that was available. And I know, I know all, all of the guys, for example, that lived in Bristol, or, you know, even slightly closer than me would get the free transport instead. So, um, you know, they do look after you when you're on these sort of schemes, obviously being cognizant of the fact that a lot of the, a lot of the guys are 16 or might not drive and things like this. So, they do look after you and um yes that whole first year was at college getting the qualifications um and as we rolled around to sort of whenever you finish a college year july or whatever it is uh they start bleeding you into the mod so they tell you i think they asked us uh 
what our preferred domain would be. So air, land, sea, yeah. joint enablers, which costs across the three. Um, and they tried to place as many of us as possible into the selective one we wanted to go into. Oh, that's good. Yeah, which again, you know, just shows how much they'll look after you. I think, you know, they, they do, although obviously the business needs as well, they do really care about your own interests because you've got yeah. to get the best out of something, aren't you, if you're interested exactly. in the job. Um, and that second year was then at college again, obviously learning throughout all three, so college for all of them. But the second year was at Abbey Wood, except for one day a week at college. Is that right? I think that's right. It sounds about right, yeah, from what I remember, yeah, briefly. I think that's right. I think the second year was one day a week at college. So this uh this day release. And so I question that, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> You're I not am. Sure. Because the third year was then block release, I think, but I can't remember if I'm getting the wrong way around or not. But essentially one of them, one of the years out of two and three was day release. So you'd be there every Wednesday, say, um, the same nine until three. And you'd be taught your uh, courses and things like that in that time and then you'd have your usual exams and stuff based, well not exams for this it's coursework but you'd have your coursework due and set um, as if you were in college essentially but you're only there a day a week um, and then the third year I think I've got this right around the third year we were then on block release so we'd be down two weeks in a row at college oh right, um, okay yeah doing those nine to half threes again but then we'd be back in work for something like six to eight weeks depending on the block yeah, and I think from speaking to uh, you know managers and bosses etc. in placements, they preferred that block release because they might lose you for two weeks, but it was just if you went on holiday. Um, oh, yeah, that's then, true. Yeah, then they'd have you back for six to eight weeks, and you could really get your teeth into a project. Whereas when you're on day release, if you start, you know, throwing in bank holidays or some leave and things like that, all of a sudden if you're away every Wednesday. Yeah, it really cuts the week up. Yeah, um, but you know that was obviously the way the training provider decided to provide it or the way the MOD went down. And um, yeah, but that was a really good experience to, to have the experience of both a day in and a couple of weeks in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, I preferred that block release, being able to, uh, you know, you, you could really knuckle in, knuckle down on the college work yeah. and, know you, and know you had two weeks to get this coursework out. Whereas day release, you were sort of constantly flitting between college mode and work mode. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, quite, it's quite difficult almost to switch off, isn't it? Exactly. So, um, yeah, so we finished those, uh, that coursework, which, um, yeah, as I'm sure a lot of courses are, unis, et cetera, we'd, we'd upload our documents after they'd sort of had a bit of a read, but obviously not a mark by our lecturers um, onto Blackboard. I know it'll be unis oh, yeah. and things like this, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was how it was graded. And then, it, so in the first year, you were able to fail um, on, a, on, a, on a, like a coursework. Yeah. Um, you were able to fail it. And the teacher would then sort of mark it a little bit and you could try again. Mm-hmm. But second and third year, because it was a HNC, then not just a, a level three VTEC, it's a level four, I think, HNC. Yeah, yeah. And if you'd failed it, you couldn't get that criteria again. Oh, so right. A, okay. So quite, yeah. It was a lot, a lot stricter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could, you know, really be bumped down to uh, a pass just for getting one pass mark wrong. You couldn't mm-hmm. then attempt the merit and distinction above that. So it got a lot stricter and a lot, you know, you really felt, it almost felt a little bit, um, you know, a little bit uni-esque with it being being so much stricter and being, you know, there was a lot of onus on us to do our own work and outside research and stuff as well, rather than just being taught to. Definitely, yeah. And what was that experience like in terms of, you know, gone from first year strictly being in college every day to then suddenly now being in the workplace in terms of, you know, you're actually at Emily Abbey Wood. How did you mm-hmm. find that sort of adjusting? I think uh, they tried to drill it into us on our on what I think was our first day, 
uh, where they got everyone in, um, you know, for these for these mandatory training things, they'd give us five presentations and that sort of stuff. But for the first ten minutes, our our lead sort of manager asked individuals who'd sort of put their hand up, and and he'd ask us, um, "Where are you?" Mm-hmm. And so you've got people going, "Ah, uh, gosh, um, we're at MOD Abbey Wood, Bristol," and he'd go, "No," and someone else would say, "Oh, we're at MOD Filton Abbey Wood North mm-hmm. site," you know. Filton, Abbey Wood, Bristol, and you go, no. And you'd have all these people trying, people chucking out postcodes and stuff. And he'd say, right, no, you're all wrong. And he'd say, you're at work now. Ah, uh, yeah. And he said, you know, you're not at college anymore. Because obviously, as we said, some of, some of these guys are 16, 17. It is a hard adjustment to make. Obviously, I was probably still only 19 even. Yeah. Um, and, you know, had jobs before, but not, nothing full-time like this. <laughs> so I think that from quite an aged guy, you know, he's been in the civil service, if not the MOD specifically for 40 years, I think. Yeah. Um, I think hearing that on the first day, really drilling it into everyone that, you know, they're not going to um, take any flack here, you know, you can't mess around. Definitely not. So I think that was a really clever introduction to tell everyone, regardless of your age or background or creed, whatever, that you aren't there to mess around anymore. You know, you're being paid, you're being paid a good amount and you're there to work. And I think then that's only um, continued, but also you are um, sort of welcomed and and encouraged by your then individual managers as well. So you'll go into a a project team where you're, you're obviously completely new to work. There might be 50 people in this team there might also only be five people in this team but your individual manager within that will really sort of welcome you into the team and then into the wider team if as i say there's 50 people there whatever so every time i joined a new one in um those four six month placements you'd have a nice walk around the floor plate you'd oh, meet nice. people you'd get shown where the kitchen was you know who the admin people were who'd speak to you when you've got a problem your individual team so I think you're always very welcome. And I think that really helps the adjustment from a year at college into going into work as well. Makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think it does make a difference. And that's that's really important for any employer, I think, regardless of size as well. I was gonna say if we could roll back, roll back time, probably mm. about this time what, four years ago would have been to twenty seventeen. So, yeah. Yeah, you're in the process of, you know, applying for the actual role itself. Um so the stages where you had an assessment, an interview. Um we were speaking beforehand, weren't we? Trying to think, was it an online assessment? And yeah. For some reason I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was, but if we did know that, there we go. Yeah, maybe it gave me <laughs> extra work. Um, yeah, so the actual assessment, how did you find that in terms of, you know, you, although it's similar to an exam, it's kind of the consequences and the situation's a bit different, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, as you say, I, I certainly had some of those exam nerves. It felt under a lot of pressure. I think being given a... a it, it was actually to Taunton College, mine was, as opposed to... Yeah, mine was as well. Um, yeah, the Bridgewater site where you actually get taught. Obviously, they're um, a collection of colleges now uh, in Somerset. But um, I had to go down to the Taunton site. Obviously, you know, not been down there before. You're, you're meeting people you've never seen before. You, you know, you're not sure what to wear. You're nervous about the time. You get there early, all these sorts of things. But the actual assessment was split into three if I remember rightly there was an English one a maths one and a specific engineering one yeah I remember that and uh yeah and the you it sort of went up you know in terms of hardness of each question but if you got that one wrong I think your test just finished Mm -hmm. 
Is that what it was? Can you it, was remember so, it, was, it was quite harsh. Like they, they cut yeah. you off, didn't they? And obviously, you know, the, the maths ones are something like you've got some coins on the table and you've got to make £1.20, you know. But if someone gets that wrong, yeah. obviously they're, they're cut off from the course and they're just going to assume to be, you know, nowhere near the level when you might have just had a slip up on, you know, misrecognising a 5p or something, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it was quite harsh. But if I remember rightly, we got told you had to get to a, you know, a six or a seven or whatever it was on the maths and the English. And then um, after that, it was basically just, I suppose, doing it for pride or to see how far yeah. you got. But um, I think you had to get to a certain level. Yeah, you did. And then the engineering one, I don't know whether something had messed up. Bars was, it was printed out on paper, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, which was a little, felt a little bit like going back to an exam, which was mm-hmm. horrible. But um, yeah, it had on, you know, a sheet of paper. It would have some cogs printed on it and you had to know which way uh, a gear, say, three down was turning, or um, if this one turns clockwise, what's the next one doing to then, um, you know, interact with three or four gears down? So that's thinking, that isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I guess just, you know, um, figuring out who's got those sort of problem-solving brains as well, wasn't it? Because you can do an English and maths test all day long, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily indicate that you've got that sort of engineering mindset, which obviously they're looking for. And that was the that was the in person assessment. Um, there was obviously an interview after that if you were successful, which thankfully both of us were. And uh, that was on site at MD Abbey Wood, Villain Abbey Wood, Bristol, um, which was obviously again intimidating. I think we got emailed sort of a, a brief, didn't we? Like a, yeah. a scope of the interview, which I I don't know how regular of a practice that is in the in the world of work, but it was quite a quite a kind one, I think, knowing that a lot of people would be just out of school. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, was it? I remember there was no. a um, there was three different. There was a, a tank, mm. a helicopter, and a ship. I think was there a ship, and we had to, we had mm. to sort of research it, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I slipped up on my my interview actually because I, I I think I chose the links so the helicopter, mm. and I remember I gave all these sort of details what the pros of it were, you know, this that and whatnot, and then I, think, I remember they asked, so what would you do to improve it? Oh wow! I, I went blank. I was there like, oh no! I, I I think I literally said I can't think of anything. Yeah. I think at that moment, I was, at the time, I was like, I've blown my chance. Well, yeah, but that's a, that's even if it would have been, that would have been a great experience for future interviews, wouldn't it? Because they'll just yeah. throw these curveballs out to see how you deal with it, won't they? I was not expecting that. I think, I mean, like, I came out afterwards and was like, oh, make it lighter, make it faster, add, attach sure. this. But I mean, at the time, you just sort of it just threw me off. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at a piece of kit that's had billion spent on it probably yeah <laughs> how you'd improve it <laughs> but am i going to insult them by saying oh you should do exactly. this is it unrealistic I think, yeah i think i picked um I'm pretty sure i picked ajax the armored vehicle people carrier tanky type vehicle and um yeah i remember that you can come out with all these facts and stuff but i think my question they pointed to it on a sheet of paper mm-hmm. um i can't remember what they were pointing at him but i don't think it was the main gun or anything but and they just said like oh what's this and like, I can't remember what it was now. I think, thankfully, I think I knew what it was. Yeah. Uh, my dad had taken time out before to virtually draw on it, whatever uh, it was. So I'd, I'd really tried to memorise that. I think if memory serves. But um, yeah, it's, it's those sort of curveballs that are tough interviews. You can prep all day, can't you? Yeah. It's the, it's the ones on the spot that are the toughest to deal with, surely, yeah. I, th- I think it's definitely experience though, isn't it? I mean, mm. moving forward, there's, there's been times where, not to that extent, but it's always in the back of your mind, isn't it, sort of? I know you can't plan for an unexpected question, but you do expect it in a way, don't you? Yeah. 
Um, because that wouldn't have been your first interview, would it? It wasn't mine either because you, you had several jobs beforehand. So, yeah, what was that it, like going from like a part time interview to mm. like a you know a proper full time job? I think certainly the formality um, I noticed most because obviously you know when you're younger you'll still make an effort. You might turn up in a shirt or something to your interview, but it's the types of questions that differed. I think so. Obviously, in a normal interview, you're being asked what you know about the job. You know what you think you can offer to the role. Um, whether you've got any questions what your own experiences they might talk through your cv but um for this one yeah it was i think hence why they probably emailed the scope beforehand it was just a lot more specific you know they wanted to know um what uh jobs or previous experience you had that related to certain engineering tasks and i know which is obviously a common technique anyway but they really put emphasis on using the star approach didn't they in the interview um so i can remember writing out on buzz cards and stuff before really trying to break it down into the star and things like that mm-hmm. um and just really linking what i i personally had done to try and change the outcome of something as well especially if i could do yeah. engineering um and i can't i can't remember but i think were they quite specific as well so you needed to have a good example of leadership a good example of team work, yeah problem solving things like that wasn't it mm-hmm. yeah so obviously they did give us a nice scope beforehand but to allow you to sort of wrap your brain you know you weren't on the spot but um yeah it felt compared to my previous ones it certainly felt like you need to do a lot more preparation rather than just turning up and being able to come across as very nice and personal yeah. you, know, you needed to you needed to actually work for this one because it was a problem you know a proper job i suppose yeah a lot of problem solving exactly and there's always one example that you probably you probably use it as well in interviews mm-hmm. when it comes to a situation when you've managed stress or you've you know something's not gone to not gone to plan and it always comes up with lost on Dartmoor when we got airlifted I always bring that up I um yeah. I won't bore I won't bore everyone listening um because I think we mentioned it in episode nine um but yeah that's always something that we just oh yeah we got lost on Dartmoor we had to mm-hmm. keep calm but yeah that's just one of those go-to that I always think right yeah I'm solving go I think that's stuck with, that's stuck with me for life now isn't it <laughs> absolutely sadly it is yeah it always comes but I think another thing that I learned from the actual MD interview mm-hmm. um it's being prepared for the interview but not just for questions so parking at Abbey mm-hmm. is you know a big no-no there's no parking on site and I, I got a lift on the day you know I don't think I, I can drive at that point or could I no I think I could but I didn't want to drive because it even said in the email don't park in the retail parks sure um I think I always remember that just thinking when I go to an interview you need to make sure that all the sets beforehand aren't you know you don't forget about them yeah absolutely and i think at abby wood specifically but probably at a lot of businesses you know you've got to go into reception so because it's obviously a military site you've got to get signed in you've got to have a picture taken you've got to have your id ready to prove it's you um i think i think at the in-person assessment not at the interview you needed to have your certificates or you know maybe your passport if you didn't have id and things like that so that preparation is certainly important like as you say not just for the interview but you know for the interview making sure you can actually get there or um, get back or you've got your notes or you've got your certificates. It's yeah, I think that as probably with you, that was probably my first experience of, you know, really, really preparing for something mm. as big as that. Cause there was quite a big cohort, wasn't there? There was about 76 mm. of us or something. something like that. Yeah. I think by the time we actually started about 65, but yeah, a big, a big chunk of people. Yeah. Cause I just remember on, on the first day when we sort of were getting signed in, some people were missing information, weren't they? And it's sort of mm. just seeing those people unprepared. It's, I don't know, it just makes you feel like it gives you a bit of a kick, doesn't it, right? You're going to make sure every day you turn up, you're prepared. Yeah, and I'm sure um, 
you know, at least subconsciously, if not consciously, it's making an impression on the employer then as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Even if it's something ridiculously small, like, you know, you've, you've not got your ID on you, they might not even give you, give you the chance of the interview. Or I remember hearing, I don't know if it was from this job, but some people will put on their application forms, um, please make sure all of this is filled out in black pen or something, for example. Yeah. And if someone does it in blue, they'll just chuck that in the bin because if you can't follow the first instruction, they mm-hmm. don't even give you like they do they. So or like block capitals, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost to do list, isn't it? it? It's so obvious and so basic, but you could always make a to do list of when you're sort of preparing for an interview or your first day at work because those are the, the times you like first impressions are everything, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Double double triple checking as well. Yeah. Hundred percent. And. During your apprenticeship, were there any funny stories, any, you know, embarrassing stories? You know, we all have them. You were there for three years. Was there anything? Yeah, so there certainly was a couple. Um, I think one of the biggest ones for me was uh, travelling down to Portsmouth, um, which was for a really interesting um, piece, actually. So we had to, we were doing a, um, oh gosh, what was it called now? But it was essentially a test on, on a naval vessel it was called an incline test that was what it's called so we were basically testing to see what the ballast of this vessel was like so what the what the weight in the bottom to support the um, stability of the ship was like so it's this massive test where you have these huge breed blocks that are being moved around the deck um, to see how much the ship sways in each direction obviously you're hoping it will be the same if the ballast is the same in the bottom of the vessel um, but you know, as we as as I was a young guy, this was actually my first placement. So, um, you know, 18, 19, first first six month placement out of college in the second year. Yeah. And um, there was a few of us that went down for this trip. A few a few young chaps as well as my supervisor. And as it happened, we bumped into some other guys that were down there for. A, uh, they were down there for an air event for Chinook, so it would have been completely unrelated to what we were there for. Um, but staying in the same hotel, you know. MOD budget so we were all in the same hotel <laughs> very strict yeah um, and uh yeah one thing led to another and obviously a, a, re- a fairly heavy night and then the as you can imagine the morning after the last thing you want is swaying to and fro on a naval <laughs> oh vessel. no yeah <laughs> so, i'll be yeah. bad enough you know uh, drunk or not or hungover exactly we're doing bad enough any i'm sure some of the people were seasick but um i was yeah sick less so from the sea oh that's horrible so that's yeah i certainly took that as a lesson going forward as well i mean obviously thankfully i could play it off as a bit of seasickness but yeah yeah for anyone listening obviously always making sure you maintain a degree of responsibility and as my boss said remember you're at work you know mm-hmm. just because you're off site <laughs> yeah. you're still representing your employees as well mm-hmm. so yeah that was um a lesson learned and i certainly never never got that silly on a on a on a work night again i guess you learn don't you you learn Absolutely. Yeah. And I did. And um, to be fair, probably better to have done it then. Um, you know, I was fairly young in my first placement as well when you're a bit yeah. more visible, uh, then further down the line. Yeah. But that was, that was um, for those that knew that were there, that was, that was funny, but not being, not funny being uh, sick in front of experienced Navy guys. No. <laughs> oh, not the one. So no. <laughs> you've had your fun in terms of, you know, the, the, the ways you benefited from the apprenticeship in terms of more the more professional ways for example mm-hmm. maybe what the hidden benefits what would you say is the most you got out of the apprenticeship try to think maybe a few of the quirky things you know we always bang on about right you get the experience you, you know it's a paid job mm-hmm. um you're starting your career are there anything you'd sort of say you might not realize this when you start but this is what you're going to get from it yeah so i think from apprenticeship specifically you 
you certainly sort of get the best of both worlds in being a student and an employee as well. So obviously, um, you know, people probably know you can you can still get your student discounts and things like that. But I think it's also the slight sort of freedom that comes with that. So my my nine until half three days at college, even though when I included the travel time, which was like an hour and a half, my day was probably longer than a day at work. But I think having that day off or especially the well not day off, but the day at college or especially the two weeks at college, you sort of can revert back into that studenty mindset a bit and you, you know, it almost feels like you're switching off compared to work. There's a lot less pressure on you or, you know, as people remember from school, you're doing things at your own pace. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, obviously you're you're trying your best, you know, you're trying to get a good qualification in the day, but there's a lot less, a lot less pressure, I think, in those days when you're just back to being a student as well. And there's a lot to be said for that, Um, getting, getting a good balance of, sort of switching your head off as a student and then also being in the work environment too I think that's I think that's um, really useful especially if you're straight out of school mm-hmm. and then another one specifically to go on about discounts again um, at the MOD I know I know for example you can uh, as a civil servant get um, defence discount as well which is uh, quietly sort of slept on but it's, it's really important and I know I know for example the McDonald's uh, at the college, at the college that we were at, at Bridgewater College, used to give you employee meals if you had defence discount. Nice. Um, which yeah, saved a lot of money some lunchtime. So there, there's a couple of hidden ones, the the couple of discounts you get to. Mm-hmm. See, there's so many benefits you might not even realise. Absolutely. And in terms of you know your transferable skills, most importantly, you know your interpersonal skills. Is that something that you really think you know your apprenticeship really helped you develop over those three years? Yeah, definitely. I think I think one of the biggest for me. Um, obviously with it being such a big workplace and also you know a workplace as a a range of ages yeah I think that experience and you know not necessarily a knowledge because I don't but uh, I suppose a skill um of sort of being able to talk to anyone yeah the one day you might be dealing with a grad or another apprentice who's around a similar age to you and then the next day you're dealing with an engineer or um you know someone else who's got 40 plus years of experience maybe and then two years from retiring and have got a vast amount more knowledge than you <laughs> in any field and uh i think it's or you know you might be speaking to um you know someone from the admin team or mm-hmm. from business or accounts or engineering or you know you've got all of these people in the same office as you or sometimes literally the same floor plate mm-hmm. and uh i think that's massive being able to talk to anyone and then in that sort of business, as I'm sure a lot of others now, you know, you're having to Zoom people or Skype people or Teams people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really useful skill as well, because it's, for me anyway, probably easier to go up, to physically go up to someone and talk to them. But I think in this in this day and age as we're becoming, it's quite a skill to be able to pick up the phone to someone as well. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing you get from being in the workplace, I would say. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to hate picking up the phone sort of this mm-hmm. time last year before I started but yeah it's just one of those skills that you need in life don't you absolutely and in terms of you know tips for someone whether they're looking for an apprenticeship or you know they're currently in one mm-hmm. what's your sort of top tip yeah well, I, I've, I've probably got two I'd probably say they're linked though the first one is probably looking at as many different websites or sources for apprenticeships and schemes as possible and my second one if I can remember I haven't lost it is applying to as many as possible as well because yeah. I I think you're a lot better than me but I make them on basket I don't know what I would what I'd have done if I didn't get this scheme but um I think even if you don't get them or even if you're not interested 
going for that interview and you know that might sound a bit selfish because you might be taking the place of someone else who is interested yeah but going for that interview you know as we spoke about interviews earlier it's an absolutely invaluable experience interview oh, definitely and i think getting as many of those especially if you're just out of school but at any point um it's really important it's, it's a great experience to be able to sit down across the table from or you know across a phone call or across a screen at the moment um from loads of people and obviously as we've said the MOD one was quite specific. I'm sure if you did something in um, non-engineering or anything else, it would be equally specific to your field. So I think doing as many of those interviews as possible would be really important. One thing as well that I didn't actually realise until, you know, we spoke just before we started recording was that mm-hmm. when you finish an apprenticeship, you have sort of uh, almost like an interview or sort of meeting, don't you, in mm-hmm. terms of being retained. What was that like for you in terms of how, how did you approach it? Was it something that you knew you'd have yourself or was it a sudden surprise yeah so I can't remember exactly when but definitely in the final year we were all aware that there'd be an uh you know I think it was always put across as quite informal to be honest but you know there was definitely an actual interview at the end of your scheme which I think was framed very similar to our original one yeah so you'd be asked um you'd be asked to demonstrate when you've shown skills for example and you'd be you have to demonstrate that in the in the star format mm-hmm. um so i certainly know that for for the final year definitely but i think i knew throughout the whole scheme you'd have this final interview that was you know a, a, just a, a formal chat i suppose really yeah. and they're sort of grading you on your responses but if you've got all the way through that scheme um and the two people that interview you are, are your manager throughout the whole scheme yeah. and then your final placement sort of specific supervisor mm-hmm. So obviously you've known these two for six months very closely and then two to three years a bit less closely for the other manager. So really, it, it you know, obviously they're asking you formal questions, but it's quite informal in a, for who you're talking to. I, I, I never realised that. I remember when you said it, I was just like, oh, okay. I, cause I was always under the assumption that, you know, you do an apprenticeship and then you're there. But yeah, I guess it, it's still processes in terms of, was there the option to once you sort of had that interview, you wanted to move to a different department, for example, was that sort of your opportunity to say, I want to work there instead? Uh, I don't know how broadly in terms of, like if you wanted to suddenly switch to admin, for example, or business instead of engineering, I don't know whether that was available because obviously they've spent, I think it, I think they always said it costs about 100K to put each apprentice, apprentice through. The really? Wow. Including salary, obviously, but it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so I know they... I don't know whether you could have changed that as easily, but certainly at the end of the scheme, if you didn't like your specific team you were in, right. um, there was scope not far after that interview to, to move teams. So if you were in, you know, links, like you said, or and you wanted to be in Merlin instead, or you wanted to be in Lightning or change domain and go into land and work for Ajax, as I was talking about, you know, there's, there was scope to do that. And I think that's a huge thing to be said for the MOD, but I'm sure a lot of businesses that, if you're honest, open, and are willing to talk to them about it, then a lot of the time there's a lot more opportunities that you might think there is. Perfect. And you know, now being forward into you know the present day, what you're doing now, you left the MOD, didn't you? You finished your apprenticeship, and you've sort of taken a side step. Is it kind of an apprenticeship? You said. Yeah. So obviously, funny talking about the interview process, I I opted to never go for it in the end. It would have been over over Skype and things like that, but I decided not to go for it. Um, obviously, you've got loads of friends there that did. Um, but yeah, I, I decided to leave. Um, I think it was the sort of lock, lockdown process and knowing that I was always going to be 
at a desk and I certainly want to do a lot more of the hands-on engineering stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing what is what is technically again another apprenticeship. I'll be doing a, a, a level two and then level three, I believe, um, woodworking and joinery course. So I'm trained to be a, a carpenter slash joiner. Um, but in a business now, yeah, working full time um, in a workshop, you know, producing doors, windows, staircases, um, and it's a lot more hands on, which I think was what I came to realise was what I wanted. So yeah, the, definitely. You know, with that engineering knowledge, it certainly helps me out a lot on this. You know, I'm coming from a slightly different angle to the other guys that have got more carpentry background with a with a more engineering background for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the scheme was, you know, ne- absolutely never something I regret. I, I love I love that course, and I think it, I would recommend it to probably people who, even if they don't have necessarily much of a um, an engineering love necessarily, but um, you know, if you can look past the maths a little bit. You do an awful lot on that course that's that's really fun as well and a lot of you know there is hands-on stuff in the first year of college which i think made me realize that's what i wanted to do yeah but yeah as i say this is technically another apprenticeship so i've seemingly got a, a love affair with them and <laughs> can't uh, get away <laughs> absolutely not but um yeah just shows just shows how good they are i think and hopefully have a have a sort of good handful of qualifications at the back end of this as well amazing thank you are there any final thoughts you want to add on apprenticeships yeah, I just think as as uh, as we touched on earlier, I think if we if we can push them more, as well as them being more widely accepted in the business world, um, and encouraged through schools and through individuals, I think they're a great tool in a business's arsenal, alongside uh, you know alongside degrees and alongside you know just general employees that might come up, um, possibly even just straight through school. But I think they're they're a really great tool for those companies and fantastic for people that aren't necessarily uni-minded or don't know what they want to do after school i think an apprenticeship's a great mix of both so i certainly hope they're they're widely looked at by individuals and businesses yeah amazing so very wise words well huge thank you once again ollie for taking you know giving me some of your time to come on the podcast and i hope that you know to all you listening you hope you gain some valuable tips and insights yeah thank you for having me hope hope it all goes well perfect thank you very much well wish you best of luck thanks ben cheers thank you bye we hope you enjoyed listening and picked up some valuable tips or advice. If you did enjoy, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you're looking for student jobs, from part-time jobs, gap year roles, apprenticeships, internships, placements or graduate roles, head to e4s.co.uk. See you next time.